welcome to Staying Connected, part of the Equip Project Podcast. It's week 10, and it's really great to have Nick Greer back with us this week. He's asked me to read from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 36. And it says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell on his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Some of you will be aware of the programme The Repair Shop on television, and the premise of the show is that someone brings something old and damaged but that's valuable to them, and these people put in hours of painstaking work restoring it to its former beauty and glory. And like a great many things, it's much more fun to watch other people doing the work on television than to ever actually have to do it yourself in real life. But recently, I got myself embroiled in restoring the front door of my house. Now, the house is over 100 years old, and the door is the only door that it has ever had. And like anything of that age, the wear and the damage and the stress of those accumulated years has started to show. And we knew there would be problems with the house when we bought it, but we saw it for what it was. Something that was old, that was going to need a lot of work, but that we loved and we thought was valuable. Nonetheless, as I stood outside and looked at the door, and all I could see were the problems and the issues with it, I felt an immense desire to rip the thing out and replace it with something new. But I have a friend who is an architect and who believes the three letters PVC should never appear together in the English language. And thinking of what he would say should he ever have to walk through it, I set about restoring the front door. Because looking at it, there was a value in it to me. The idea of of this intrinsic part of the house, the fabric of it being retained and being brought back to its former glory appealed to me. And so the work began. And what a lot of work there was to it. Uh, stripping off the old paint with chemicals, scraping away any loose material, sanding down and then repeating the process again and again and again, taking away layer after layer of paint, of damage, of age and of time until it brought it back to the original wood, 
and it was ready to be painted and restored to its former glory. And I spent hours on it. I spent two days just preparing it for the first coat of paint. And every minute as I was doing it, I have to say, I felt very close to the heart of God. Now, that may seem a very strange thing for you to hear me say. We often picture God as the creator God, and that is true. But after the first two chapters of Genesis, God is really seen as a restorer, a restoring God. And he's a restoration worker. The passage that Ollie has read for us today gives us just one of so many vivid examples of where God restores something in creation. The unfolding plan of God's redemption and salvation for humanity and indeed for all of creation is one of restoration, bringing it back to its original glory. And that that man that we see the Lord Jesus encountering in today's passage is such a vivid picture of a life totally in ruins. He almost needs no embellishment. There he is, living as an outcast, outside of the village, outside of society, literally naked, literally living among the tombs, living among the dead. You can imagine the parents warning their children to stay away from the area, the frightened cries of anyone who saw him, and the terrible life and terrible existence that this man must have lived, beset by the demonic spirits and and excluded from any normal vestige of human life or experience. And yet he meets the Lord Jesus, and by the end of the passage, we find him restored. He's clothed, he's in his right mind, And most critically, we find him sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And that is where we really find restoration as people, isn't it? Over the millennia of human existence, no one has really doubted that there are problems in the human condition. And we have sought the answers to it in many and very different places. But the contention of Christianity is that the restoration of the human frame of a human life can only truly be found at the feet of Jesus Christ. So what is the application of that for you and I in our lives? Well, first of all, no matter how big a mess you have made of your life, God has no interest in throwing you in the scrap heap and starting again with someone else. You have value to God. And I may be speaking to someone here who is looking back at a life in tatters. That may be someone in their 70s or their 80s. But it may as well be someone in their early 20s or even their teens. Looking at a series of difficult experiences, leading to difficult choices, leading to awful consequences. And in the late hours of the night, you sit by yourself And you look at your life and you know that it is in ruins. And yet the message of today's passage is that Jesus Christ can bring restoration to your life. God is committed to restoring you to how you should have been. God sees value in you beneath the layers of damage and of hurt and of pain, of sin and sinful choices that we have made 
and even the damage the consequences of those choices have done. God sees you as valuable, something that he would rather gently and lovingly restore than throw away and replace with a new model. But the other lesson for us as we think about restoration is that it takes work. The young man in the passage today experienced a miraculous and instantaneous transformation after his encounter with the Lord Jesus. But as we look at many of the other examples of lives transformed by the relationship with God in the Bible, we see that it is a long and slow process. Peter, Moses, David, Jonah, just off the top of my head, lives of people transformed by God. But over time, and through difficult and challenging and often painful experiences in themselves, Peter, who had to let go of his his youthful hubris as he came face to face with his own failure around that brazier in the courtyard in Jerusalem. Moses, whose pride and self-confidence had to be slowly etched away through 40 years of tending sheep in the desert until he could lead God's people. Even David, who had to see the wreckage that his life brought in his own family before he could finally be called a man after God's own heart. And there is actually a comfort in that. Because as a Christian, we know that through suffering, through difficulty and through adversity, God is working away as the restoration worker. He is getting rid of the hard edge of a character flaw or a deeply ingrained sin in your life. Through that process, he is working away slowly, patiently, stripping back layer after layer of damage and stress and harm that has been done, often over years or even decades, to bring you back to what you should have always been, a beautiful creation in his image who reflects his glory. And though that process might be hard, the end result will be worth it. God certainly thinks that you are worth the investment of his time and effort to get there. In fact, much like us with our house, he saw the value in you when you were in your worst state. And yet while we were still sinners, while we were still like that man in our passage today, broken and ruined and lives in a mess, God saw us and felt we were valuable. We were worth saving and redeeming and restoring. And so it might be that even now, in the the difficult situation of coronavirus and the lockdown that we have been living through, that he is working in your life, that he is doing that restoration work. Perhaps in lockdown, he is teaching you to be more satisfied with him and less dependent on the noise and the clamour and the distraction of the chaotic world around us. Perhaps in the disruption of our routine, a bad habit or an unhealthy and sinful pattern of behaviour is being disrupted as well. Perhaps even in being pulled back from the normal day-to-day life that we have come to accept, the rabbit wheel 
that we have come to feel is all that our lives are. He is gently pointing your life in a new direction. One that is more in tune with who he wants you to be. So the next time you pick up an old photograph or an antique or something that is precious but the years are showing on it. Remember that God is a restoration worker and that in you he sees something so valuable he gave his own son to redeem you so that he could set about the work of bringing you back to what you should be. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that through Jesus Christ, your precious son, you can bring restoration into our lives. You see us as valuable, Lord. You see us as worth restoring. And thank you that you're prepared to carry out such costly work for sinners such as we are. Lord, we're so grateful for your grace and your kindness showered upon us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. Your grace that leads the sinner home from death to life forever and sings the song of righteousness by blood and not by By grace I am redeemed